Hey, welcome back. Nice to see you and uh, hope that your new year is starting off really well. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. We just came off the safe stream version that we is special for YouTube because there's a lot that we can't say in there. And uh, we were talking about the comments that I got during the week on that video that maybe you saw that we played called The Christmas Truce in World War One. And I was guessing that I think it was 1918 and Christmas Eve. And I could be wrong, but some year close to that. And the soldiers, there were German soldiers in one trench and uh, Scottish soldiers, as it turned out, on the other trench. And as I explained in the other show, the deal is you, it's a great system. You dig these two tra- parallel trenches and they're deep enough so that you can stand up in them and the top of your head is not sticking out the top of the trench unless you're eight feet tall, which most of them aren't. And then you kill each other in the trenches. And when you're all dead, or on the way to becoming all dead, they replace you with more soldiers to keep doing that. And that's essentially war, you know, what war is and has been through history, except they have a lot better weapons now and You know, you can also attack, the governments can attack their own people directly. And really, that's all they've been doing for most of the wars anyway. Mostly the finances have been supplied to both sides by the same interests, global interests. It's really rare in history to find a war that's true self-defense, you know, where people are just having to fight at the borders of their country because they're being invaded by someone who takes it over. I guess that used to be more common. But more recently, the world wars and Korea and Vietnam and all the these are wars of invasion and wars that are planned. And even uh, like the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, December 7th, 1941, that was uh, known in advance by Roosevelt and a lot of the pe- the people in the banks and the people who arranged it. They needed to get the U.S. into World War uh, II. And in order to do that, they wanted public support. It was a little early just to be doing wars with no support. And so they thought, well, let's see, what can we do to get the public demanding to go into the war and start dying? Uh, oh, I know, how about an invasion in Hawaii by Japan? Not the whole country of Japan, but military forces. And they said, okay, let's make a embargo of Japan so they can't get oil and things that they need and um, let them come in and bomb the ships and the people at Pearl Harbor and we won't warn anybody. That should work great. And then we'll say, well, we had no idea that this was going to happen. Roosevelt was let in on the whole thing. And uh, we didn't, sorry, we didn't know about the whole air attack thing and planes, you know, flying over from Japan. We just had no idea. And all these people died and ships were destroyed. And then they could get the manufacturing business going, create war armaments for going and fighting against the Axis powers, um, Germany and Japan and Italy and people that were supporting them. And the banks were supporting Hitler at the same time. I mean, Americans aren't usually told that 
in school and they just said all these terrible atrocities. Well, Hitler was a horrible, violent criminal and he was totally insane. And if you're wondering about the details, just read his main book, uh, Mein Kampf, which I, I found it boring because it's just this totally insane person saying that the world should be emptied so that Germans could live there because everybody else was subhuman. Really simple philosophy. And so we need to clear out the real estate of the rest of the world. And it was just all angles of that and how terrible the Jewish people are. And um, it was just a horrible, horrible book, and it was boring too. But if you're not familiar with his thought patterns, you might want to take a look at it at some point. It is educational. And the thing is that um, he would not have been able to do much of anything as far as big invasions go without the uh, global bankers supporting him. And this is not a criticism at all of the employees in the local bank. That could be you or me or anybody who needs a job. And those are generally normal really nice people. I know lots of them. They have no clue what they're working for, for the most part. In fact, that's true in uh, people working for all different kinds of industries. It's an amazing situation that's been created, and it's taken many thousands of years. You know, and I've looked into the history of it quite a bit, and um, the infiltration of... Uh, I have all these notes in front of me and I I never look at them but it makes me feel prepared you know I spend time during the week and in the same day trying to prepare this show and I get it all written down and then I forget all of it so but it's like uh, Linus's security blanket I've got my notes so I know I won't forget anything I don't want to do anything you know just to act like a uh you know, person doing a show, and I just want to be a regular old person. So I'm just going to tell you whatever I think is important to share. And uh, I guess where I was going with that is that war is generally arranged, and it's arranged for maximum. It, and it serves two purposes, maximum destruction and suffering. That's one of them. And that's not a byproduct that's unintentional. That's intentional at the top levels. It's not like the officers in the military, like in the, in the Christmas truce video, the German officers or the Scottish officers wanted their men to suffer. They, they didn't. And I say men intentionally. They, they weren't insane enough to put women in direct combat at that time. If they wanted to help the war effort, there's lots of stuff that they did do and were very heroic, but at least they weren't getting shot and cut to pieces on the front lines, which is now all of, you know vestiges of sanity have, have been abandoned by the people in charge. Anyway, um, what I was saying is that the war, the Second World War and the First World War were orchestrated, as was the Vietnam War, the Korean War, and all the other major wars. Uh, there hasn't been a real war of self-defense for a little while now. And I, and I still think that's a legitimate use of wars if your country is being, you know, invaded by a, a foreign army or something. The people who live in the country should 
help each other defend it, of course. But most of the wars that are turn into huge uh, atrocities, they're not self-defense wars. They're, um, they're planned invasions, occupations, exterminations. And there's a big one brewing right now. And in fact, in America, which a lot of the world is watching because there's supposed to be some memory of freedom in America, right? It's, it's the only country I know of that really has absolute guarantees of individual rights in the founding documents of the country. The only little detail that's wrong with that is the rulers don't follow those documents, but at least it's written, you know, and it says individual rights are the job of governments to protect, not to control your life. They certainly have no business telling you what to do medically or almost any other way. I think with the support of the people, it's reasonable to have things like traffic laws and laws against robbery and, uh, you know, robbing uh, stores and banks and things like that. And it's really good to have murder illegal, too. Um, although there's a big issue of that with, you know, it's supposed to be actually beneficial to murder somebody before they're born. And I'm not coming at that from any political point of view at all. I don't think it's a political issue, and I have no interest in punishing women who fall into that or anything. I, why would you want to do that? But what I am interested in in that particular instance is educating both men and women. Like, you know, if a, a being comes in to the earth frequency, they call that conception. Because nothing happens with those cells until the being is there directing it. I'm saying that from an unusual source. I'm not just memorizing that from somewhere. And it's the mother and the father's job to protect that being, that developing baby, the whole way up to and after it's born, obviously. And not to murder it. An important safety tip. Don't murder your babies. <laughs> and it's not a political issue at all. And it's certainly not women's health. That's absurd, you know. And I'm not hating anybody of any side of anything. I'm just saying, if you drop all the ego junk and forget about just defending your point of view no matter what and look at what's really happening, you learn a lot. And you think, if you're really interested in learning, then you get shown that what we believe may be wrong, and that's great. That means you can correct it, and you're closer to finding out truth. That's called science. It's been forgotten for a long time. Certainly not in our educational system and our scientific agencies, and those are about as far from science as you can get. And even a lot of the very advanced, <clears throat> clearly well-meaning doctors who talk about what's being done in murdering people with the injection now, they think the other injections are all good. And they can't grasp that what they've been taught in medical school and public health school and that, they think they learned it, they memorized it. There's a big difference. And in school, the medical doctors who are being trained and the public health administrators who hope to go in and tell people how to 
save themselves from horrible plagues and stuff, they memorize stuff over and over and over and over again. One of them, as an example, being what they call safe and effective. It's a slogan, safe and effective. You're just supposed to be able to say it automatically in your sleep and any other time. And if somebody says safe, you say ineffective. And um, unfortunately, that's what a lot of education has become. And if you want to really learn things, you have to drop preconceptions and say, and keep your common sense and say, does that make sense? So taking a toxic mix and putting it in a hollow needle and injecting it into your body and saying it's going to save you from disease, that doesn't make sense. And if we're unclear and say, well, maybe it'll save you from disease, then you look at the history of it back to when it was started by Edward Jenner in the UK in about 1796, I think. And um, he tried it against smallpox. But you can look at recent examples too, measles and all these different things that they inject you to protect you against. And then very often, the people who get the shot or the flu shot or whatever, they get the disease. That should, (laughs) really that should be enough, you know, to say, okay, it doesn't stop disease, but it does all these other good things, you know, like what? No, there aren't any other good things that it does at all. And people end up with all kinds of degenerative diseases and allergies and um, higher levels of all kinds of things from cancer to heart disease. And if you're thinking, oh, that's conspiracy theory, that's crazy, Doug reminded me, the lady, great lady whose name I was trying to think of, her name is Joy Garner, G-A-R-N-E-R, great American hero, in my opinion, and she put together a program called uh, the Control Group Project. And you know what a control group is? It's like if you're doing an experiment with actual science where you are not trying to satisfy a drug dealer, you're, you're trying to find out what's true. Big difference there. And the the kind of experiment where you just try to find whatever the drug dealer tells you the answer has to be. That's known as outcome-based science. It's call, It's what's called a fraud. And that's how they justify these toxic chemicals that they call medicine. The idea that medicine, that a toxic chemical is medicine, is a really bizarre idea. That any of us ever fell for that is stunning. So, okay, so what a control group is, is like, say you want to know if if, uh, a drug is safe. You give the drug to a whole bunch of people, and then you watch what happens to them. Actually, that's not even ethical to do that with most of these drugs. They they do it to unsuspecting animals first, mostly rats that are re- bred for this purpose. You know, don't incarnate as a rat right now. It's a very bad idea. Um, and then, so one group of rats, they theoretically do this before people, gets this drug, and the other group of, of rats gets what's called a placebo. It looks like the same pill, but there's nothing in it. Or, you know, some rat food or something like that. And 
if the rats that get the drug have some kind of health benefit and the other rats are not as good, then they can say, honestly, this drug has this benefit and then they're supposed to watch the rats for a long enough period. And rats only live for two or three years a lot of times and not like humans. So at least for two or three years, you watch the rat and if it, if the rats who got the drug get five times as much of a certain disease as the rats that didn't, the rats that didn't get the drug, that's called the control group. And if you if you don't have a control group, you don't really have any idea what the good or bad results of the drug was were. So nobody's done that with injections, which is a little strange, right? You would think that, oh, the scientists, they know all about this. That's why they say safe and you say ineffective. And um, that's why they know that that's true. But they haven't done that. So there's a way you can do it without endangering anybody, and that's it. You just do a survey, which is what Joy Garner has done all over the country of the U.S. And she was looking for people, a dwindling small group, that had never gotten injections. There are people like that, but the powers that be are trying to exterminate that group by making everybody get the latest injection so there's no one who could be a control group. But when Joy did it a couple of years ago, the group existed, scattered all over the place, and she got them to fill out these questionnaires, surveys. And it was to find out how much of every disease they had. Mostly it was kids, but uh, there are actually some adults that never got injected with anything. And then she compared that to the Centers for Disease Creation um, data that show what supposedly average normal people, how many of them get heart disease, emphysema, arthritis, kidney disease, all these different, basic, lots of basic diseases. And Joy Garner got all this data together in the control group project. And she had her control group, which is the people that answered the surveys and never got injected. And she was on the show. You should watch that show. It's really interesting. And um, I was even surprised because every disease, the ones included that seemed to have no connection to injections of any kind, there was this massive difference. And you know, all, all these doctors now that are saying, well, the new injection is really bad, but... I'm not against it at all because it saved humanity. It wiped out polio and smallpox. And you know that's a complete lie. Well, it's not a lie if you don't know. It's just a mistake. But there are people who, who do know that don't tell the truth about it. I looked for benefits of this idea of injecting people to prevent disease all the way back uh, hundreds of years to Jenner, and I couldn't find any benefits and if you want that coming from a doctor, listen to the YouTube. Well, I don't know if she's still on YouTube. She's probably banned. But listen to uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. She knows all this stuff in much greater detail than I do. She, she's been on our show numerous times, and she'll be on again, I think, later in February, which is going to be really exciting. So... Um, 
I guess where this came from is when we talk about the Christmas truce and the fact that the soldiers came to their senses for one night and said, wait a minute, maybe we don't have to kill each other constantly. And that's a shocking idea. And it worked. And nobody shot anybody. And they had Christmas together. And they traded Christmas trees and chocolate and little presents of whatever they had. It was amazing. It was almost like both sides were human. And uh, I thought it would be nice to show that again. You know, um, somehow make a web of connections between people in countries all over the world. Like they used to, you know, a long time ago in the distant past, when people used to write these things called letters with pens and pencils, it's this thing that, here's one right here, an ancient example. doesn't have a feather or anything, but it's kind of the same idea. It's got a point, and this stuff called ink comes out the bottom. It's instead of a keyboard. I know it's hard to imagine, but people used to use those things to write on what they called paper. It's like that, like what you put into your printer. And then they'd wait a couple weeks to get an answer back. And they had this project they do called um, Pen Pals, using pens to write the letters, you know. And they would write to somebody. I don't know how they found the connection. There may have been some company organizing the the network, but they would uh, be writing to somebody in another country of, you know, how are you? How's the weather in your country? What's it like at the markets? What food do you eat? What what are your schools like? And people started making connections. I, I don't know what ever happened to that program. I think it was really good. You'd get a stamp, you know, you put your letter in this thing called an envelope, and you get a stamp for two cents, and you put it on the outside. And then the postman, or, yeah, it wasn't sexist to say postman at that time. They would pick up the mail and take it to the airport to go to the other country, and people started getting the idea that, hmm, you think it's possible we're all humans. And some of them started thinking that, even though it's, you know, subversive. Everybody knows that now. But I thought, we should start that again and try to, you know, I, I'm very much in favor of individual sovereign countries. So I'm not a globalist at all, uh, because there are different cultures. And it's like having a house in a rough neighborhood, you don't take all the doors off if you're intelligent and go to bed. That's not a good plan. You want doors and fences and stuff, but then with the neighbors who are friendly, you cooperate and help each other. That's That was how the UN was sold. you know. And there's still people who believe that that's what the United Nations is. They don't understand it's a giant crime syndicate. But the, the general idea of it was good, really good. Cooperation between, they tried that with the League of Nations before that and it failed, fortunately failed. But the UN has succeeded in essentially becoming a giant international government, corrupt government body and responsible for massive death. Um, and a lot of sub-projects it's connected to many of the world org- organizations like the WHO and what, what does that stand for? Dr. Labo was just on the show. World Homicide Organization, I think. I want to be correct technically. 
and WTO and all these organizations that are set up to override the laws of individual countries. In other words, uh, priming the situation for global tyranny, consolidated global tyranny. So those are not good organizations, but cooperative bodies would be, you know, not where you have this alliance that gets together and the military-industrial complex uses it to go bomb and invade some other country. That That's not a good use of cooperation. So what, what we're starting with in this discussion is... Um, why did those soldiers in the trenches, after having a really good Christmas with each other and say, probably realizing that the other side looks like they might even be human, why did they go back and start shooting each other anymore? I mean, the next day. Raise your hand <laughs> if you have an idea or just, you know, let us know at some point if you feel like it or let yourself know. It's significant. It's not just old history. Because what they did then, we're doing now on a big scale, a much bigger scale. They went back to killing each other, even though, you know, if you get a certain level of consciousness and you realize if you're going to put a bullet in a gun, and I'm not, you know, I'm a very strong supporter of gun rights. Guns don't make people go crazy. They act as a deterrent to crime, including uh, big-scale crime. But if you're handling firearms uh, responsibly and you put a bullet in the gun and you're going to aim it at somebody and pull the trigger, you don't want to do that. You don't want to ever aim, aim it in an unsafe direction unless you're in a real situation defending your life or someone else. And these guys had just met for Christmas, and they th they must have been thinking, why would I want to kill that other person? That makes no sense. But they just followed orders. And at a certain consciousness level, you know what that bullet does. It tears holes in people's bodies. It ruin destroys their organs. It does horrible stuff. It's legitimate for real self-defense, and that wasn't. So at a certain awareness level, the soldiers would have said, court-martial us. We're not doing it. We're not going to follow unlawful orders. And even if our country makes it legal to kill each other, we can't do it. Sorry. That's what David Icke calls mass non-compliance. And I agree with him that it's critical. But the other element to that thing is um, what makes non-compliance possible? Why, why did those soldiers not have it? And it's a consciousness level. Understanding who you are and what's going on with the war. And the average person doesn't have time to really look into that in complete depth and find out, whoa, there are people who don't have any allegiance to either country and they just want us all to keep murdering each other indefinitely. At the lower levels, it's for money. But those are the lower levels. At the upper levels, it's nothing to do with money. It's satanic, okay? And that's not just a formal religion. It, it's based on input from the very top 
few individuals that are in control of the world's power structure. And above them, it's controlled. They're also controlled and just following orders by non-human levels. And those are real. They're not imaginary. And I can tell you that from some limited direct experience. Um, that's where it's coming from. But when you look at it in depth, all these people who are just following orders from the bottom, you know, the soldiers and the people letting themselves be injected with poison and letting their children be, this is un- really, it's unconscionable to do that to yourself or your kids or anybody else. But in a way, it's all understood because all these levels of people, the the common people like us in the general public and the people working for these uh, criminal companies, and, and just being a corporation doesn't make you criminal. You can start a corporation for a good cause too. But the ones that are the big nasty ones that are full of good people as employees, but at the top, they're totally evil. Um, for them, at a certain corporate level, it's about the money and domination and crazy people who run big monolithic companies and are just celebrating that they're the richest people in the world. They're not a very high level for real. The ones above that already have control of the money system. They, they're not working to get more money. They're working to complete what for them is a spiritual agenda. And um, we're witnessing the steps of it now. And from my experience, and I'm happy to be corrected by anybody who's seen more, I see it as a ceremonial sacrifice. And the question in any sacrifice is, who is being sacrificed? It's a bad name because it, it, you say that a person is making a great sacrifice. Well, no, the one that they're tying up and killing, that's the one who's making the sacrifice, and it's involuntary in most cases. And in this case, the sacrificial animal is the biosphere. That means all life on the planet, and you can watch it should become pretty obvious to us at this point if we have any observation ability left at all that um, they're well underway with the sacrifice. A lot of species have been killed, gone extinct. Even insects are disappearing, which is very important, by the way. Yeah, I know it's nice not to have mosquitoes and flies attacking you, but if you drive along in a place where the windshield decades ago used to be covered with bugs when you're driving along the road, and now there's no bugs. That's a screaming warning. It's it's uh, happening in many ways, the extermination agenda. So in my mind, um, the way I feel about it is that's not a good plan and that we should reverse it so that the whole important question is how do you do that? First of all, can you even, can we even be conscious of what's going on around us right now? Or are we too busy watching TV and just following orders in our job? 
you know, and that's partly the uh, the accomplishment of our so-called education system, where everybody's been taught such a narrow specialty that you don't understand, you don't have time to understand the context of what you're doing, and so it can be misused. And you've got these brilliant scientists uh, coming up with new GMOs, uh, new horrible pesticides that will poison the ground for thousands of years in crops and poison the food. And you've got uh, people studying how to disrupt the weather patterns of the globe. And they're really well compensated, not to mention the people who are flying the planes that are dropping these toxic metal compounds with all kinds of weird ingredients in the sky almost every day, almost all over the world. That's not a conspiracy theory. The idea that, I mean, there's so many angles to this, the idea that a conspiracy theory is necessarily wrong is absurd. You know, do you know what a conspiracy is? I mean, really, we throw these words around. Literally, it means to breathe together. Con means together, and spire comes from various roots that mean to breathe. So, and when you're breathing together, you kind of have the same focus of attention, the same goal. And, you know, a long time ago, we saw cartoons with Popeye cartoons and other things where you have bank robbers, and you learn that bank robbers, this is... Maybe you guys aren't old enough to remember this, but what we learned in my generation is watching growing up with Popeye cartoons is that bank robbers, you can always tell who the bank robbers are because they wear these, they're always pretty fat. They're really narrow at the top and then they get fat around the waist and they wear these shirts that only bank robbers can wear and they have big, wide, black and white stripes going across like that. And when uh, somebody like Ralphie with a Red Rider BB gun saves the day and shoots all the bank robbers. They always fall into a big pile, and there are these X's that come up where their eyes were. So that conspiracy, everybody knows, is real. Bank robbers have conspiracies. It's not a theory. It takes more than one person to do a really good bank robbery. And so they all conspire, and they all wear these special shirts. But any other conspiracy is a conspiracy theory, and um, it's, fa- it's false. It's defined as false. Um, so just like safe and effective, right? You memorize that slogan. So you know that poisonous chemicals for drugs or injections are safe and effective. You always know that conspiracy, the next word you think of immediately is theory, That means that any conspiracy except for bank robbers is false. So um, if the governments of the world or the banks of the world or the agricultural companies of the world or uh, the health authorities of the world were ever doing something bad, not saving our lives from plagues and stuff like that, um, that would be a conspiracy theory. Right, and it would be false. And what education has become is a an indoctrination system. So the main agencies of governments and corporations working together 
definition of fascism, by the way, but that's another story. Those um, are always to believe, be believed without question. So if you write a paper in higher education and you quote Centers for Disease Creation or any of the major um, government agencies, you don't have to prove that it's true. It's always true. Conspiracy, good theory, right? So in order to not go back to our trenches and resume murdering each other, you have to break the mind programming that we got in education. And that's a challenge, especially the more education you have. And and the thing about it is that it's such sophisticated programming that you don't realize that you're programmed. You, you think it's common sense and you don't realize that you had to get rid of common sense in order to really succeed at your education. So the soldiers that went back to murdering each other didn't realize they were programmed. And both sides thought, God is on our side, number one, obviously, because, I mean, like, we have the songs and everything. Um, so God is on our side. The other side is subhuman, even though we just met them and had Christmas with them. And so, I mean, like, you know, God's on our side. We have to kill them. And, I mean, if you have any doubt, just listen to the music. Every, it's like in Wag the Dog, the, the movie Wag the Dog. Um you have to write really good songs if you want people to get it, be happy about going to war or having their kids go off and get killed. It takes really good music. And they have that. It also takes very outraged uh, writing in the newspapers in the old days, but now they do it on social media. And they say a certain country is bad. And then that country probably says that the other country is bad. And they have very sophisticated ways of convincing you. Hmm, sounds like you're right. I guess the other country is bad, which means all the people in it. And for the good of the world, we really should kill them. So this is how you set the groundwork for a war. And we're living in a really unusual part of it right now because the war is f controlled by the same global rulers as arranged both sides of the world wars. But now it's the international authorities against the people of every country. And you can see, well, not quite every country. They've got some different strategies in some of the, some of the countries. But for the most part, it's a serious war against by the global rulers against the people of every country. And it's going by stages. And they're putting announcements about what they're doing into the media, into entertainment, into some of the music. Um, these are rules of the sacrifice. And in their mind, if they don't do the sacrifice correctly, with all the milestones met and all the announcements made correctly, they're going to waste all this time exterminating all life on a planet and not even get rewarded. And that would be really disappointing for them. So 
They have to do it right, and that's what gives us time as the sacrificial animal to see, you know, are we tied up on a spit over a fire like Han Solo and his friends in in uh, the original Star Wars? Or could we possibly break the ropes that are tying us up? And what we find out, and the what we could find out, and the rulers don't want us to find this out, is that those, ro- those ropes are like threads. I mean, if we just even started to wake up, we just break right out of them and the whole thing would be over. What's even more scary to the, to the rulers is that if we wake up and, and these amazing unlimited beings, which is us, start to become back to their normal state again. And compared to us, the people working for the dark side are tiny, weak, blind. They're victims. They're not, you know, they're, at this point, I know this is a really unpopular opinion, but I, I see all the way to the top of the negative power structure. They're all victims even the ones that are not in human bodies, even people playing the role of the demonic creatures and all that, they're just uh, victims in really bad shape. They're, they're, they're much more victims than we are because they've bought into the idea that they're going to play the character of the evil guys, either working for them at a low level like in health or education or enforcement like the police in Australia and New Zealand right now. Australia is the most insane, apparently, at the moment, but it's planned that they're going to make that and worse in every country. Austria is really giving them a run for their money out, too, and parts of Germany and other places like that. The people who are in these roles of the bad guys and the enforcers and the corporate heads and uh, the people financing both sides in the banking industry of military uh, artificial wars, they're victims because they don't realize all their actions are going against who they really are. We're, we all came from the same place. There wasn't another origin And so what we're made out of, even if we're fallen humans or fallen angels or fallen anybody, what we fell from is what we're all made out of the same stuff for. And if you go against that, even if you're unkind to somebody when you don't need to be, your own consciousness catches you on the spot. It's what in the East is called karma, and in the West it's called reap what you sow and things like that. You have to have the right term, otherwise people think, well, that's an Eastern term or that's a Western term. You guys, at some point we have to stop being incredibly superficial and see what's behind it. Your own consciousness is very sophisticated and it catches you. And when you go against who you really are, it sets up a situation in this movie that we think is real solid reality. And it it's teaches you why you don't do that. And if you make big mistakes, 
you know, like uh, wiping out all life on a planet, things like that. Pushing weaponized radioactive, not radioactive, radiation-producing uh, frequencies for telecommunications or horrendous poisons to put on people's food before they eat it on a farm. Um, chemical weapons to put into all kinds of applications against people who have no idea what's going on. If you're pushing the chemtrail, you know, which uh, conspiracy theory, right? You're not supposed to believe in that. But it's right over your head even at night. They do take days off because I think they don't have quite a big enough fleet to cover the whole world constantly, but they're trying to come close. Um, all the people who are working for that, especially as you get up higher and they're doing it really consciously, their conscience and their consciousness is aware of that immediately. And that's going to build a future experience for them that they're not going to like, either in the physical world, so-called physical world, or in what I have known as the lower astral world, where there, these hells that religions talk about are real. <laughs> they're really there, not a recommended vacation destination. And they're not permanent, but they're really bad. And um, these people that are unknowingly casting their lot with evil are working against themselves. And if they grasp that, they would never do it. You know, it looks like they know what they're doing on the outside, but on a deep level, you know they're not aware of it because if they were, they'd say, oh my God, I did that. And they would do whatever they could to make up for it. So that would be actually be a really good situation. And one of the things that we're not supposed to know is that we have the power to affect them to the point where they could defect. And it's not what you say because a lot of these nasty individuals are so hardcore, they'd eat you. I mean, they'll destroy you any way they can. So it's not advisable to schedule an appointment with them. You have to respect their condition, but there are ways that you can affect them subliminally, which are much more powerful than talking. Not to take away their free will, but to give them a glimpse of something different that they might want to consider. But you can't fake that and you can't do it just because you decided to do it. You have to make a major change in yourself and then automatically you start having this effect on other beings at any distance. It's really worth looking at. And uh, the reason that I'm even interested in that kind of stuff is that I know where the global plan is taking everybody and the increments and why and how and what they expect to get out of it and all that. Um, I don't, my preference is I don't like to see billions of people being tortured. Something about that really bothers me, especially when you realize that those people are you in another form. You know that famous quote about love your neighbor, meaning anybody else, as yourself. Well, that would be without any solid substance. 
unless on a deep level they were yourself. You know, like people have talked about us all being one family. But if you go deeper than that, we're all one being. It's not something you can figure out by debating in a usual way. But you can figure it out in other ways and experience it. And when you see that, uh, whether you're the chemtrail commander or making a new GMO to fool everybody that, you know, it's good to change the genetics of the whole planet, or whether you're a telecom person telling everybody, oh, 5G is just super convenient, it's totally safe, anything else is a conspiracy theory, right? Good. And, um, or whether you're just a regular person, you know, going shopping for food or taking care of your kids or working at a job or digging a ditch or whatever you're doing, once you realize who we are, which is the biggest secret that the bad guys don't want us to know, then you can't comply with things that go against that. It's not really possible. So what made the soldiers go back to their trenches is they hadn't crossed that line, which I call consciousness, of who they were and who the other so-called enemy was. Once they realized that, court-martial me, do whatever you want, I'm not going to kill myself in another form, not going to kill my family member. You know, if you have to do it in a real self-defense situation, it means you failed at so many other ways you could have diffused the situation. And you may be forced into physical self-defense, but proactively doing it on a deeper level is way better. Partly because you don't have to destroy another person, which is always a big plus. <laughs> Just like in medicine, they say do no harm. They don't say, well, make sure that the number of people you kill is statistically reasonable, which is modern science, modern medicine. They, Hippocrates, once thought of as the father of modern medicine, said, do no harm, just don't do any harm at all. And you, you might think if you had common sense, well, why would you do harm? And he was talking to doctors and health personnel. And he said, do no first, the fir very first thing, at least don't hurt anybody, do no harm. And you'd think, well, why would you do harm if you're a healer? doesn't make any sense unless you get into a system of programmed insanity where you think that poisonous chemicals are medicine because they cover up a symptom for a while and then make it worse. Or injecting poisons into the body and corrupting all the DNA is medicine. Or operations where you do surgery when there's an alternative that's natural, non-invasive that you could do if it wasn't illegal to talk about it. So it's not just doctors. It's that because of who you are and you start letting yourself have empathy for everybody else, even the bad, so-called bad people, at a deep level, they don't realize what they're doing. They can intellectually tell you what they're doing, but if they really realized it, they couldn't do it. 
there's a level of unconsciousness there. So you have compassion for them too. And that's, you know, the basis of this famous quote, love your enemy. Yeah, defend yourself if you need to. Don't hang around enemies all the time if you can avoid it. But you don't hate anybody. And that has many benefits when you follow that particular approach. I'm just looking at the clock and make sure I don't run over. We're almost out of time. You know, one of the great um, newscasters, the guy who's founded a great company, Alex Jones, has done wonderful things for the world. He's got a lot of people that hate him. But again, if they would drop the ego stuff and just look, what's he done that's good or bad? He's made mistakes like every all of us have. But the courage is, and the honesty and the intent has been great. And what he's dealing with now is he's so angry at the people that are destroying the world. And he sees a lot of it. He still thinks there's legitimate injections and there aren't. He still thinks that the so-called elite have clean ones that, you know, are really great. He hasn't looked at some of these so-called elite. They look like a complete mess. They don't have the secrets of anything, you know, good. But he's done wonderful work. And what he's dealing with is he's so mad almost all the time at what's being done to the kids now and everybody that he doesn't realize he's almost not able to hold it together. And it's an important lesson if you want to heal this place, which is what we need to do rather than waiting for somebody to do it. It's part of a test, you know, are you going to ignore it and say, well, the ETs are going to save us or Jesus is going to come tomorrow and, you know, with this army of love and throw all the bad guys into the lake of fire and, you know, we have an exact date, which has happened many times in history, or the UFOs or, you know, the white hats with 100 tons of gold in China and Japan are going to come and do it. Basically, what that amounts to is reasons to feel okay about not doing anything. And what Alex hopefully is on the verge of learning is that being angry all the time doesn't make you tougher. It doesn't make you a better fighter. doesn't make you more righteous. or It just tears you up from the inside, which is, you know, destroying yourself for nothing. If you get rid of the anger, which is always based on fear at some level, and there are ways to do that, not by repression. That's a really bad idea. And then learn how to focus on what you want to accomplish. Like in his case, he wants to bring the world back to normal, which I think is a great idea. You're much more effective if you're not going crazy inside with anger. So hopefully that's about to happen with Alex and a lot of people like that. Because we have, we have much work to do. And so I've still got my security blanket of notes and I haven't looked at any of them. So I guess I'm not going to. And I'm depending on actually, I don't know of anybody more suited 
to make a massive change for the better in the whole situation than you. And I don't mean the general audience, I mean you as an individual. And your mind programming is what you have to break. And there are ways to do that. Because the mind will say, me, well, that's ridiculous, you know. I'm this age and this gender and this, I have this family and I'm obligated to all these things. And besides, I don't, I'm not even a, you know, whatever you're not even. Uh, and I can't do anything. And that's not true. That's the program that we've gotten from the global rulers who want us to feel helpless. And yeah, the non-compliance is really important, I think. Just like David Icke says and Chris Guy and all these great leaders that are trying to get things turned around. But the mentality, the understanding, the consciousness that makes that um, workable is first. Because if, you, if you're still full of fear and falling apart with anger and you go into outer action with that, things can happen that you don't want, even, th- even with the best of intent. Because whatever emotional field you're carrying, it radiates and it affects everybody else's emotional field. And that's more powerful than intellectual reasoning. Emotion wins. So that's why you as the important um, microcosm of everything on the outside of you. It's like, have you heard of reflexology? It's this really good uh, modality in natural health practices. And they, it, it works on the feet and other parts of the body. And there's these spots that they figure by reflex have an effect on some other part of the body. You, you, you don't want to massage something that's inflamed, right? It's going to have a bad effect. So you find the corresponding reflex in the foot or somewhere else, and you put pressure on that, and it relieves the distant organ. And this has been observed over and over again. It's not a conspiracy theory, right? You got that. Um, it's real, and you can watch it work. And I've wash it for years and years. It's a good thing to learn. Who was the lady that wrote the book on that? Somebody Ingram in the 50s, I think. Anyway, it's really good. You're the reflex point for anything in the outside world if you learn how to do it. Self-transformation is the whole thing. So I'm suggesting that for a project for the new year. Take care of your physical body, Learn about um, the ways to take care of it without poison and be more self-sufficient that way. It's violently suppressed, the real health information in America and most of the world, but it's still there to learn if you look for it. And then start taking care of your consciousness, your thoughts, your emotions. Don't ever suppress You know, just force unconscious any emotion. What happens is it's like compressing dynamite or something. It gets stronger and eventually blows up. There are other ways to do it that are harmonious and don't have that danger. And start becoming aware of what you're walking around thinking. And every one of those thoughts has an emotional pattern with it 
that you need to be aware of and not just have it go automatic. And every one of those emotional uh, patterns has a broadcast frequency that's coming out as one of the things that's beyond what our vision picks up. But it's affecting everybody else. So if you want to get that tool back, which is exactly what our rulers want us never to find out, because I think it's a hidden potential for turning everything around, and it wakes up other people too without you having to say a word, and it also permeates your speech, so it has a different kind of impact on people. Find out what you can about that and start doing it. Use your time. This place is really unstable, the physical world, and we don't know if we're going to be here tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to be here in five minutes. And you don't remember that, generally, until you're leaving. And it's better if you remember it now. You know, if you're young, what they call young, 10 or 20 or 30 years for a human is considered young. Well, in what will seem like 10 minutes, you'll find yourself old. It's an illusion that it's a long time. It's not a long time. So whatever time you've got right now, use it to become more conscious. Everything else follows that. So anyway, I think we're over time. I keep looking over here because I'm trying to, this clock is blazing out in a uh, glare from some other light. I think we're over time. So um, I just want your new year to be wonderful. Not just in momentary, you know, exciting things that are fun. I'm not against those, but that's not enough. You know, I'm talking about major positive change in your whole life. And it all comes from change of consciousness. And your physical health is part of that. So take it back, you know, Get away from the poison on all levels. You, not only do you no, not need it, it feels really good to get rid of each layer. Watch what you project in thoughts and emotions to everybody else because whatever goes out from you goes right back to you, even if you don't feel it right away. And it forms your future. So you can bless people and it's real and it works and it helps you too. So things like that. Um, so I got to go get ready for Planetary Healing Club. That meets in uh, 25 minutes, roughly. And that's where we go deeper into actually how to do some of this stuff. You're welcome there if you ever feel like it. Um, planetaryhealingclub.com. Doug, just put it on the screen. Also, lostartsradio.com. If you bookmark that or do something so that you don't lose track of it, and that, if you go to lostartsradio.com slash live, it'll show you the links to where the, um, the stations are that, that we're, we're on that are not censored. The platforms, audio, some of them, and video, some of them. And that way, if one of them disappears, you can stay in touch. Lostartsradio.com. Also, if you have resources and you want to help us continue on the air, Donations are really appreciated. We're not doing commercials, as you may have noticed. So if you can afford it, there's a uh, donate button on lostartsradio.com. It says donate, and right next to it is subscribe star. They both work equally well. Um, 
and thank you to the people that have already done that. I deeply appreciate it. What I'd like is to be able to continue as long as we can, at least on some platforms. And if there's enough money, activate some of the projects that we've had on hold uh, for lack of funds. So if you want to find out more about that, communicate with us and we'll we'll let you know more detail. I think that's about it. So take care of yourself. Meet us in a few minutes at Planetary Healing Club if you want to. And remember that tomorrow night is the Sunday guest show. And there's incredible people on that every week. I mean, that's one of the great benefits, I think, that we've had in doing the show and get to meet some of these spectacular people that I may not have talked to otherwise. And you can too. So tomorrow night, Sunday, and some of these are up on some stations before that. I think that's about it. So thanks for being here. I really appreciate you. I I literally consider you the hope of the world. So hope inspiration comes to you and it starts opening up and you realize, wow, I didn't know those things were possible. This is the biggest fear of the negative power structure. And they shouldn't be afraid because it's what could help them too. So dive into it. Find out about it. You'll find out it's real. And that's the beginning. Okay, so have a good night. Some of you I'll see in a little while. And uh, meet us back here for the Sunday show tomorrow. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right 
on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channel at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.